Stewart on the turn was outstanding. He had a bounce, if you don't mind. Gets into the pocket, and James Stewart puts it for Joe Danaher, who surely will do a straight kick here, Jason. To stop a run of four Port Adelaide goals, he kicks it straight, and it's through the middle. Stringer from one side, Danaher from the other. Stringer makes the take. He's working, it's working. It's all working for Jake Stringer. He's a bomber now. Ben Simmons. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The two-year contract for Wisher was a great idea version of the podcast <laughs> this week. <laughs> My name is Grant Hill. With me is Scott McNeese. Hello, everyone. And thank goodness we're doing a podcast that's actually happy. Can you tell by the tone of our voice that we're much happier than we were last week? Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say that the club listened to everything we had to say, but I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> Today's podcast is going to be a great one. We're going to do our normal uh, review of the game. Uh, but this week we've also got uh, a guest as well. So we've got uh, 100% more on the podcast this week. We've got uh, Daniel Cherney, um, journalist from The Age. Scotty, you know him really well. Yeah, Daniel and I um, have caught up a couple of times for coffee. Um, and we, we, get, we get along really well. He's actually a really good reporter. My kind of reporter reports the facts and a really good investigative kind of journalist. So um... It's so nice to have a factual reporter <laughs> reporting on the Bombers. So yeah, Daniel's actually a really nice guy. Um, yeah, we get along really well. So we thought we'd have him on the podcast. He's been writing a lot about Essendon recently. Yeah. So Daniel's actually the one who broke the story on uh, McKenna with the... Uh, the unfortunate infamous uh, nibbling going Nibbling on. episode. Yes. And um, he obviously was the first person to write also about Essendon's look to put Hooker back and Stringer forward and, and today wrote another article just about Hooker possibly staying back for, for quite some time. So really good to have Daniel on and uh, we really thank him for um, supporting the podcast yeah, and, and, and being a guest on the show. Um, all right, so I guess this week um, we want to have a look at the uh, um, the the game on the weekend. Port Adelaide, um, yeah. The Port Adelaide game. Favoured team, Port Adelaide, I understand. Um, we, we weren't going in as the favourites for that game. They've, they've got a half-decent side, Port. No, they, uh, they've got a very good side. They're well-coached. Um, I thought their big-bodied midfielders might trouble us. But I'll give you a little tip that I actually tipped us. So ah. I just had a sneaking suspicion that there was going to be a bit of a resilience in the guys this week. And, and I knew they had some internal meetings. And I just thought, this is the kind of game... Essendon actually can show up for and I just had a hunch that we're going to come out exactly how we came out but I'm so glad we did well man I tell you what I, I got I, I didn't share the optimism I have to say uh, I, I looked at that game last week and thought oh geez that's how do you turn 180 degrees on a game of football from where it was last week up against the excuse me a half decent side in port but when I, I must admit when I got to the game and I saw the roof closed and Eddie had looking about as good as Eddie had gets. I looked at 
our talls and the Arazios and the Wallers and thought, oh yeah, actually we're half a chance here. Because, I mean, that, that ground was just tailor-made for the likes of Jimmy Stewart and, and Jakey and that sort of stuff. But, Scotty, I want to address the elephant in the room here. Yes. I want to address our podcast from last week. And if you've listened to uh, last week's podcast, thank you very much. It's one of our, um, uh, our highest rating podcasts. We're really, we're really thankful for everybody that, uh, that downloads and listens to our podcast. And we don't uh, want to have high, high, high uh, reviews just on games that we get slaughtered in. So yeah, we hopefully rather, we get a good audience for the games we win Exactly as well. right. Like this week's, if everybody wants to have a listen to this one. So it doesn't just... <laughs> it just cheers us up. That it just cheers us up. are happy that we win as well. Exactly right. Um... Is there any truth, I reckon, to the rumour that um, you and I both discussed uh, about a a lack of flexibility on last week's podcast? It is. There's rigidity. And then the one thing that Wusha does is comes out and puts hooker back, stringer forward, and bang, we win a game of footy. Yeah, well, it is a bit funny, isn't it? Because we spoke about, we spoke various options about um, us planning for the opposition. And I noticed that we planned really well against Port Adelaide. Um, not letting them shift the ball sideways uh, from their defence, which they really like to create attack from that. Uh, we put, obviously, Hooker to strengthen down back, and him and Hurley looked, well, obviously looked both all Australian all of a sudden. Mate, and, and that's that's the thing with Hooksy. Uh, he's, he's a gun down he back. He looked good, man. Yeah. He looked real good. So did Andy McGrath. Yeah. Oh. And and we spoke about that, about Andy McGrath possibly moving back with McKenna out. Yeah. And, that, and he's such a good... Halfback defender. He He's so, so composed. Is, he so is. Yeah. So, Jakey String Stringer won an All Australian for being the exact full goal performance to that we just saw. Yep. Yep. So, it just certainly looked like the the balance of the side was spot on. Um, look, and I totally understand that's not how we're going to set up every week. Like I was even thinking today about Collingwood. They're quite small. Darcy Moore's out. Yep. You might have to make some changes. We might be. Yeah two top heavy Hearts down back yeah. yeah so it, it's not like we just say that's that's hit for every week as far as we structure yeah. it but i think when we play a port like oh, sorry when we play a team like port or and those kind of sort of traditional kind of setups i think that balance to the side is is perfect I think um, it's everyone just balance. played like they just naturally knew their position and knew what to do. 100% and agree, man. Was, and, and we still made turnovers and mistakes. Oh, Hills but the structure, the yeah, the, the the structure and just the defensive pressure, and we'll go into that later, so we'll, we'll have our guests first, so we'll go into the review later. Oh, yeah, I think we, we, but, sort of, we started to get a bit into the review there, but yeah, yeah, so, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that and get into more depth, like I said. We, we, we sort of go from the back line and end up on the forward line, but uh, yeah, that'll be a bit further down yeah. the track. We, uh, Look, it's a great result. That's just, we'll talk about it later, but... For for what we wanted, I, I I couldn't have had more boxes ticked than I what personally I wanted as a fan, and, yeah. and like we said last week, we're we're naive. I mean, these these guys are the experts, so we totally understand that. We just thought this is what we're seeing from a from a distant point of view. Um, obviously, they felt they were seeing the same, and credit to any coaching staff who bites the bullet and says, okay, we're going to make changes. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to not be stubborn here. I've got to make these changes. It worked perfectly. We look like a dangerous side. I felt we control the whole game. So brilliant. Great. I mean, like you said, you can't ask for much more than that. Well, um, our guest should be calling through at any moment right now. So we'll uh, we'll come back to you with uh, with our guest for tonight. I'll go get Daniel on the line. 
So we have on the line Daniel Cherney from The Age. Uh, almost I can class him as a good friend now. Um, many Essendon supporters might be suspect about my friendship with a reporter from The Age. <laughs> uh, but he's one of the great guys, really good reporter, uh, really gets the facts right, which I appreciate. Um, he's been writing a lot about Essendon lately. How are you going, Daniel? I'm very well, thanks, guys. How about you? Very, very good. We're great, thanks. So, obviously, recently, you've probably had three or four articles on Essendon, um, and we've pretty much singled you out for you, yourself, solely the person getting McKenna rubbed out. Uh, so, look, we'll try and be, we'll try and be nice to you. So, how, damn, how did that, that... Damn that factual reporting of yours. <laughs> how, did that, how did that story come about? Because you're the one that almost really much put the story out, how it all, and it all began. Uh, uh, well, I mean, obviously, um, the incident occurred on the on the Sunday, and it's funny. I was I covered the game, so I suppose that's part of the reason I've written a bit about Essendon over the last uh, last week or two. Just uh, I've happened to have covered both of their last two games, so just, uh, just the way the rosters panned out. But uh, we also let Tussle on the wing, and it, it was look, it was quite willing, but I don't think anyone at the time thought there was anything to it. But um, it's. Uh, I, I, Obviously, won't give up my sources here, but uh, I was yeah. tipped off oh, about. We thought that. you'd slip then. We thought you were going to slip. Oh no, 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 no not, not quite. Um, let me get a few, few drinks to me. No, um, <laughs> we can organise no, that. No, um, uh, I, I was sort of tipped off about it uh, on um, on the Monday morning that uh, that uh, Tory Dixon had uh, had sort of made this complaint um, when he came to the bench, uh, and that. Uh, Bulldogs camp were aware of it uh, and uh, sort of made a couple of calls and um, sent a few messages away and uh, was, was satisfied that, uh, that there was something to it. Um, so I suppose you run with, run with the story because it, it, when you have a story like like that, um, it's obviously reasonably hot. Uh, you, yeah. you you want to go with it pretty quickly because um, it's, it's not the kind of thing that stays secret for very long and... Um, Obviously, it would have come out later in the afternoon anyway. But uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident the AFL were already looking at it before I read the story. So uh, I don't think uh, I can take ownership. as much as I'd like to have been the man who got Conor McKenna rubbed out. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that's the case. But so, so that was sort of um, how that all panned out. And then I, I went along to uh, Michael Christian's press conference later in the afternoon as well. Um, had a chat uh, where he's been, and, and I must say it's been very good to have. Um, have Chris o sort of front up uh, the, the match review officer this year, front up and, and talk yeah. to talk to the media, and he's very frank. And I, th- I think he, overall he's come across really well. I mean, he, he had his own little controversy last week with that little um, junior oh, yeah. umpiring. Yeah, yeah. It. But uh, I think, uh, but I think while he did the wrong thing, he owned up to it, and and uh, and he t- shouldn't be hung out to dry at all. Um, he's an impressive guy, Chris O, and um, I think treats people decently. And, and then uh, head along to the tribunal as well on. Uh, on Tuesday night, where uh, uh, it's always pretty, it's always be pretty interesting at the tribunal. Uh, at times, um, the odd uh, council has been known to uh, go on a bit, and said uh, Adrian Anderson didn't mind uh, didn't mind talking for a while. Um, Did but, I hear uh, right that one of uh, Connor's sort of people to call up and, and give him a, a good rap? They couldn't even get her on the line. Yeah, so they have uh, character... Um, character, character reference, that's what the word I was trying to think of. Yeah. Uh, and, and they couldn't reach one her? Of 
they had, so they had two. One of them was um, Ty Canelli, uh, obviously the Irish connection, so he knows yeah, um, yeah. Kind of pretty well. And, and he, he was on mine, and that was, uh, they got him from Sydney. And then the other one was Marty Allison, who is uh, the... He's a senior policeman, uh, the current police, uh, and he's also a uh, the coach of Vic Metro uh, under-18s. And uh, I believe he lived with Connor for a while in Ireland, uh, if I heard correctly. I've heard that wrong. Certainly they have a relationship. Uh, anyway, Marty was uh, down to be a character reference. They called him up twice, and they went to the voicemail both times. Oh, uh, oh, it's, uh, it's a little awkward, but... Um, I, I, <coughs> Reliably told that he was at Big Metro training, although I still would have thought that they would have made sure that you know, he got off the track for a few minutes. <laughs> you but anyway, he picked up. But anywho, yeah, they, these things happen. Maybe he doesn't really like Connor. <laughs> these, yeah. these things, uh, these things happen. And look, at the end of the day, I don't think uh, as much as the character reference. You know, I'm sure Connor McKenna's a fine young man, I, I, um, but I, I don't think those character references would have made a huge difference. We, yeah. it, it's a controversial area. Character references when you bring in off-field stuff into on-field. You know, judging on field instance, we saw it last yeah. year with the Basha Hawley case when he had Wally Lolly and Malcolm yeah. Turnbull being used as character references. <laughs> um, it's, 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 a, it's a tricky area, uh, and it's sort of there, there's an argument to say, well, if we're going to do that, well, why don't we then should, should a person's football ability be used in a courtroom um, to you know to determine their, their, their penalty? It's one thing I think taking their track record from a playing perspective. You know, if, if they had. If they've had three or four, you know, Jemmett Bird and after the you know the seventeenth time we went to the tribunal, that's fair enough. You know, you can say take into account he's got a bad record, but to say that um, Conor McKenna is a good person, that's all well and good, and good luck to him. But I, I don't think uh, don't think that should have been taken into account, and I don't think it was. No, it didn't. It didn't seem to go that way. Look, from an I'm probably having my Essendon bias hat on, so please forgive me on this. It did seem it came across as quite complex what had actually happened, the actual injury, the actual how he got the injury. It was just from afar and looking at the action. I was trying to work out, was it technically a bite? Was it how... It seemed to happen strangely very fast and he wasn't wearing a mouth guard and so there obviously was some sort of teeth involved but it didn't penetrate any skin. It was all a bit strange the evidence or was it was it just one of those ones where you i don't know the heat of the moment uh white line fever and you i don't know you're really frustrated and you do something stupid and bite him well i don't think look i, I mean he pleaded guilty um so i suppose that's part of the reason why we probably didn't yeah go well, exactly great depth because he pled guilty so he didn't need to be cross-examined so we probably didn't go into the real minutiae but there but i don't think there was any doubt that, that he did bite him uh it wasn't skin penetration wasn't wearing a mouth guard at the moment, he sort of, you know, had the tackle and had a bit of a tussle and he seemed to be, you know, wrap his, I don't know, he was in that region and he happened to, you know, I suppose, um, put, his, put his mouth on, on Dixon's neck and um, and obviously uh, there was some sort of biting action. Um, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's probably, it's, it's no more complicated than that. I mean, you probably have to ask yeah. Conor McKenna why he did it, um, but certainly Tory Dixon was, was not too happy about it. And um, I don't think, I mean, there were no... I don't think anyone did any doubt that, that it was a bite. Um, strange. Uh, you know, it, it probably was a spare-of-the-moment thing. Um, and and it's sort of, I suppose, it, you look at, like at the ball tampering in cricket, for instance, where that was very premeditated and yeah. people were sort of, you know, having a go for that. So I, yeah. I don't think, I, I, doubt, I, you know, I doubt it was premeditated. I think it was a real spare-of-the-moment action. Um, 
obviously the one that's kind of going to all regret significantly. Yeah. White line fever, un- unacceptable, um, yeah. and potentially, and look, potentially quite dangerous. Uh, I mean, the neck is a very for the neck region, bite. yeah. Biting is sensitive, you know, all sorts of diseases. If, if the this skin, um, skin, you know, potentially can be transmitted. Uh, if, if the skin is, is broken, thankfully it wasn't. Um, we all sort of move on. Um, we can a couple of three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think um, the uh, AFL Council, Jeff Gleeson, QC himself, noted that McKenna deserved some sort of, not leniency, he probably deserved to be taken into account, but he had to guilty. And he could have easily uh, sort of hidden behind the lack of definitive vision of the incident. Yeah. And sort of tried to get into he said you know he said he said sort of situation, but uh, to his credit, McKenna owned up to it, and um, and we move on from here. I suppose. Move on, yeah. So look, I guess from your side, you've been watching Essendon lately, and you've been writing articles about um, Hooker going back and and Stringer moving forward. How did you, as an observer, see that play out against Port? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I, I think. Look, it is so hard to know because it was just one game and I think regardless, even if Hooker had stayed forward and Stringer had stayed in the midfield, uh, I'm sure Essendon would have had a vastly improved performance in the effort against the Dogs because uh, you know, they were rattled and, and while Wusher sort of played down the whole notion of pressure and you know, all those conversations, I think they, they I, it was clear from the outset that they were, they, they were a different team that brought real intensity. and just mindset, and, uh, yeah. And that a point to prove, but um, in terms of the hook, and I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily think Hook is. I think Hook is a very competent forward, um, also very competent defender. I mean, he is a really versatile, and I do think it's that they're doing the right thing by um, being flexible with him. The Stringer midfield forward one's an interesting one. Um, Wait, I just where don't do you see? I just don't think he has the tank at this point to, to go through the midfield. And he, he really he's done proven in the midfield. He's, his best, his best football has come as a forward. He, we we saw yesterday. You know, he is very dangerous around goal. I mean, he very. has got goal sense. He's like, a, it's a bit like a Daniel Menzel, uh, Geelong. You know, there's, yeah. there's, even when things aren't necessarily going his way, um, and, you know, he's not sort of an incredibly great pressure player, or, um, but he but he does have, the string I'm talking about here, he, he just has that good finishing ability, and we saw a couple of cracking finishes yesterday. Obviously, that one <laughs> set shot from the pocket, and then the, then the dribble, where, which he um, which celebrated really nicely. Which like missing. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was it was fantastic. I, I think he's a forward. Um, I'm not saying he can't have the odd burst in the midfield, um, but that, that's fine. But I think primarily they need to treat him like a forward. And then, I, I must say I was sceptical when they they drafted him and said, "Oh, he's going to be a midfielder." Well, he, what what has suggested to this point that he, he's going to be a real midfield option? I wouldn't have thought a hell of a lot. And similarly, Devin Smith, uh, I was still a little bit sceptical about whether he can make it as a midfielder. He couldn't, you know. I think he wants to play in the midfield, and, and he's got. Um, but I think his best footy has come as forward. He couldn't obviously couldn't crack into the Giants' midfield, but there might be there might be a reason for that. Uh, and, and in terms of how it played out, well, clearly Stringer's finishing was fantastic. Um, the forward line looked generally functional. Um, I'm, I'm sure there were multiple factors for that. Fantasia looked good. Uh, James Stewart obviously marking well. Um, Joe being Joe, I suppose you could say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and and uh, down back well. It's hard to say just how much of an impact Hooker has, but um, we, had he looked good strength. back there, Daniel. He looked really good no, back there. No, he did. You know, no, he did look very good. Uh, 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 I suppose the point I'm trying to make is how much of Hooker and his composure and how settled he was back there freed up Hurley to play the role right. that he did. I and think that was, up, you know, yeah. The biggest thing I got from the game was 
is how much Hurley had that old Hurley role that really got him an yeah. Australian by by Hooker taking that kind of position again. It seemed to just balance that back line a lot better where we've been a little bit suspect. I just thought we looked more assured um, at that end of the ground while we're scoring quite easily. So I, yeah, I, def- I kind of felt like it worked quite well for this week. <laughs> no, no, definitely. No, no, and no, that is, and that is what you've got to be very careful with possession and, um, and the fluctuations. But I like Heppel looked really composed down back, I thought. Um, yeah, McGrath was fantastic with his run. Um, Bagley probably got up and hit the goal, which is bizarre, but <laughs> just, it was amazing. The fourth and, of his and, career, yep. And incredible celebration as well. And I, I really liked um, the game of Hartley. I thought Hartley, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I thought he, he competed very well against Dixon and Wish just spoke quite nicely about Hartley after the game. He just he said, you know, he's working so hard in his game. And, um, and, he, and he's, uh, so it'll be interesting to see actually if, say, if Brown is fit. Would you pick Brown or Hartley? I mean, it's sort of probably one position between the two of them. Um, and you've got a handful of players there. Obviously, Ambrose is, is coming back from his injury, and 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 you know, D McNeese, uh, <laughs> a, your boy yeah. McNeese. Um, and, and Ambrose yeah. got Ambrose got suspended today from the VFL. Uh, is that right? Well, there you go. Well, that <laughs> takes that out of the the, uh, the equation for a little, little while. But uh, no, in, interesting times for the Bombers. Um, it's, uh, it was a good result, but it was, I thought it was a bit predictable. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the you know the, the test the tests just keep coming. They just got to keep yeah. stringing it together uh, and find consistency. But I think definitely string it forward is a good move. I think when they asked James Hurd um, recently on who he felt was one of the most important players at Essendon, he actually mentioned David Myers, and it was an interesting comment. And I kind of agree with him, even though Myers isn't by any stretch of the imagination a star or anything like that. No. But when he's playing well, he has to have continuity for him to play well. But when he does and has that kind of performance yesterday, it actually frees up our younger, I guess, less bodied mids because he's such a bull. And I felt like that kind of game for Myers is... Is uh, is pretty critical, uh, I think, for our midfield setup because he's the six foot three guy who just did a lot of hard work on wines, shut him a little bit out, but had twenty four himself, kicked a couple of goals. Um, they're just yeah. the things that I notice that I go, okay, that 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 just developed our midfield a little bit differently and gave us a bit of a harder edge. <laughs> no, I, I tend to agree. It was one of the better games I've seen Mike play ever. I mean, it's so hard to judge a guy like that given how little continuity he's had with his footy. Um, just such a such a frustrating stop start period. It's really yeah. t- it's teased at times, and it's, it's funny. I saw him last week against the Bulldogs in, in the side that where he had a lot of struggles. He was one really yeah, he really struggled. Yeah, I thought he yeah. I thought well, maybe the game's gone past that guy. And you know, he's in his late twenties, and he's been around for a fair while. I'm just not sure there's a, there's a you know should they be picking Myers ahead of Langford and that sort of thing. Uh, but Look, he, he bounced back to his credit. Did, did, yeah, you said disciplined defensive uh, midfield job, and, and but offensively, such a weapon. And obviously, the left foot is so damaging. Yeah, when on full song, the big body is is, is crucial because it, it is a relatively small midfield that probably helps merit. I mean, they need to protect merit. There's no longer they don't have Watson and Hawking and and, and guys like that to help the, the bigger bigger experienced bodies to help um, to help merit. He, who, who is who is the star in that side? So they need guys who are going to protect 
protect him. And um, Myers, to his credit, was a good showing, but again, just needs to keep on backing it up because yeah. that's sort of been an area where you know, consistency is the issue. And I guess that's, I think that's what they were trying to do with Jakey Stringer is that they, they looked at the size of the of the kid and he's a big, he's a reasonably sized unit. And I think they thought, look, like you said, Myers has been a little bit inconsistent and he's had some injury issues. If they can chuck Jakey instant, instant big bodied midfielder, if they can put him into the middle, I think that's what they thought. And I guess I agree with what you sort of said before. He hasn't got the tank. He hasn't got the tank to run through the midfield at the moment. And that's why um, I know you're an avid listener to our podcast. So you would have heard this last week. Um, <laughs> Jackie. Um, uh, I, I sort of said that, look, I think Essendon needs to get the basics right before they start to try and educate Jake Stringer as a midfielder and put Hooker down forward and make these great strategic changes. Um, if, if we can if we can do a game like we did on the weekend where Hooker played down back and looked good, Stringer played up forward and looked good, and we had good quality um, uh, minutes and effort from the likes of Myers and those guys, and we win games of footy. I'd love to see us string three or four games together, have a really good solid season and bring another midfielder through or something and then go, okay, what, what can we strategically do to the club to maybe put us over the top and maybe one of those is Jakey into a midfield or put Hooker forward or something. Once fitter. Yeah, yeah once, once he's fitter. I think that's... I, I hope Wisher has sort of looked at that and gone, it's a... It's a pretty rigid kind of game plan, but if if we can put those guys where they like to play and where they're really good to play, get half a dozen wins under your belt, eight, win the next four or five or something, and then start thinking about strategic moves. It, it's a funny one because it, it, I, I get the point. You, you would sort of like to see them get just get some continuity and build up a, a stable. Okay, especially when you bring in three, you know, you bring in three fresh players to the side. But they're still, uh, you know, I know they had last year, but they're still to an extent gelling after it. When there's such a hodgepodge team um, yeah. from all corners, uh, in some respects, um, given all that's happened, uh, I think you sort of look at. It's interesting across the league. You look at the Bulldogs, who were so they, they were the they were probably the side that most more than any were really known for their versatility. You know, Beveridge sort of said, you know, you've got to be able to play two positions and. Yeah, people were sort of questioning whether he had outtried, almost outsmarted himself early in the season. You know, moving Wood forward. Wood really forward was wood. a yeah. Well, it seemed a bit, seemed a bizarre move. A bit like last year, you know, Harry Taylor forward. You know, it's okay every now and again. It's a long. Um, the dogs are just playing a few guys, just mixing up. You know, Johannesson playing forward a ton last year. Um, so and Hawthorne, interestingly, in the back half of last year, they they shifted a lot of guys. You know, Gunston moved to defence was quite successful. And, yeah, but they, they um, had a whole solid team though. That's the thing. They had a they had a great move. They could afford to move a, a Gunston forward because it, it was a good strategic move for them. I don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't like you said. I don't think the Bombers are there just yet. I don't think we've well, got that. Well, but they sort of had the opportunity last year because the season was done that they, they could sort of, and had injuries that they sort of could, could afford to be a bit, a bit creative. They didn't have, you yeah. know, there was little to lose. I mean, they'd won three flat. It wasn't as though they sort of, this was a year they need to strike, whereas That's, the Bombers yeah. are building, and I think you're right, you build, need to build the foundations first. And, and there's, there's some, a fair bit of foundation there, but I think that they can continue to build the foundation until they start mucking around. But look, you know, um, credit to. You know, I'm not, not saying that Wisher doesn't know pet better, better than I do. No, no doubt he does. Uh, but it's just it perhaps it's not a bit like maybe he's outside himself. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so we won't we won't keep you too long. I guess the general competition. We're talking just the AFL in general. The the fact that we've already got 
no one defeated um sorry yeah every team has has had a defeat basically either three and one or two and two or one and two um tells you that you again like the i guess the bulldogs and richmond can sneak a grand final if you can hit form and keep relatively injury free it seems like one of those years again no i think that's a pretty fair assessment uh it does seem it does seem to be very even at the moment uh we've seen you know there are some pretty dramatic form fluctuations from week to week uh it it is um a little bit tricky to tip at times uh yeah i don't know it's sort of it's early i've been particularly impressed by hawthorne we sort of touched on them early i think that they're yeah, I think it's funny they still got a very seasoned side. I mean, Amir is coming into his own now, which is fantastic. He's there. Mitchell form, isn't he? Yeah, actually, I'm happy for that kid. I am. He's had. Um, I, know, I know you guys are all a bit dirty on him because he chose the Hawks, but yeah. um, but he, um, yeah, he's actually you know, having interviewed him. He, he seems a pretty. He seems a nice guy. He's um, he's obviously been through a fair bit with his body, so it is good to see. You want to see talented players getting yeah. a clean run. That and and they but they look good. I mean, there's just. There's, Full of pressure. You know, the, the loss of Rioli and Dropolo will hurt them, um, but I think they're they're on the right. Tr- they're very much on the right track, and I think they're actually in the Premiership mix. Very well uh, coached. It's crazy, it's crazy as that sounds. Incredibly well coached. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you think of Clarko, uh, the man, the coach is uh, incredible, um, and, and Richmond as well. Obviously, obviously uh, I think yeah, they, they, they must they must be. Um, oh, they probably deserve a Premiership favouritism at this point. Uh, yeah. The Giants um, have had their injury concerns but, and probably haven't absolutely dominated the game yet, but they're, they're consistent enough and, and they're, uh, you know, they'll be thereabouts. The Swans uh, looked a bit shaggy at times, but I think they're you know, so, so solid traditionally. Uh, Geelong have just got to keep trying to win enough games before while they get their, their cattle back. I think the second half of the year is where, where it'll click for them. Um, but but, but they, uh, you know, they'll be in the conversation. Then you, you may look, oh, I don't really... Had high hopes for Melbourne, but after last week, you sort of really you doubt must be going at Hawthorne. You sort of do have to question whether they're ready. Port Adelaide, well, it was a bit of a yeah. I mean, very good early uh, in the first couple of rounds, but, but had their limitations. So yeah, I mean, you can run through all the sides here. Port Adelaide uh, can fool you sometimes when they play at home, and they just look like they could destroy anyone. And actually, they, I should say that they they played exceptional game in Sydney, but. I thought they looked a bit flat against us, to be honest. Um, they, I thought, to be honest, I was very comfortable with the whole game and felt like we were in control. And I thought, gee, Port's not really giving us much problems here. No, you never looked like losing that game. The um, Port, it's probably worth noting, they have had exceptionally, and I don't know how much the impact this has, but um, it's the theory. They've had a very big run of hot days. They've, I think they played... Three, all three of their games have been played in, in, in pretty the first three was in reasonably stifling heat. They're a very hot preseason yeah. games. I wonder if that maybe just the, the generals, you know, the sapping them at, at that time, or maybe they're just too freaking. You know, oh, and that's the other thing: the emotional ups and downs of these seasons. You know, it's yeah. very hard. You know, Essendon was so. You know, the Bulldogs the previous week. It's so much to play for from a, from an emotional who gets perspective. In the, yeah. Who gets highlighted plays well. <laughs> well, it is there is a bit of that. There is a bit of that. Uh, um, the exception of Carlton. Um, so treat Collingwood. Re- treat, can you treat Collingwood really well the next eight days? Yeah, if you can, that'd be great. Just say, look, they're, they're going to win the grand. <laughs> well, they're going to win the grand that, final. Buckley's I again. Suppose this, I suppose this is this is a week where they, they will get pumped up a bit um, because they were so brilliant in Adelaide. 
um, and it, it will be a challenge for them now not to get carried away because they haven't really had a performance like that in a while. So, yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's an interesting game at the moment. Um, if, I, if I was tipping at the moment, I probably would tip Collins, but it's, it's, oh. you, could, you, could, you, could, you could see it either, but you could definitely see it either way. I, I just, I, I just don't trust Essendon yet. Um, and they can have that's fair. I, that I, I can kind of, I, I kind of understand that. Yep. If it's a, um, if it's a dry right. day, if it's a dry sunny day, I think we can get over the top. Yep. Any resemblance of wet, I'm I'm We're probably a little trouble. bit concerned. Yeah, oh, it's good. it's going to be interesting, but it's good for the game. Both clubs are coming in off pretty convincing wins. Yeah. Both back to two and two, so it's not you know neither clubs in crisis. You know, it's a crisis. I think it's just it's a pretty evenly matched match game. I would have thought, although you did have two convincing wins over them last year, so um, you know. It's uh, you probably got I suppose deserve deserve favoritism in win one respect. Beautiful. Now I know we've 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 had you for a while, Daniel. So a couple of couple of rapid fire questions. Um, now, Bucks is Bucks is a controversial coach. Is this his last season if they don't make the finals? Oh, I, I had to be in the sit in the fence. I think it really depends on the circumstances. If they just, if they narrowly miss out with injuries, that's familiar styles and I think he survives. Okay. If they miss by if they miss by a long way, um and there's not enough extending circumstances, then uh, I think this will be his last year. But All right. so that's the fence there. Okay, there's a fair amount of splinters just there, but that's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mate, what's up with your Saders? What's going on? Uh I think well it's a, it's a great question as well. That's probably not several issues. I don't think the, the the bottom line is that the cattle's not that much good at the moment. Um, they're the only club in the AFL that don't have a single All Australian on their list. There are the stars aren't there. Um, there's a lot of solid players, but that just aren't match winners. Uh, and you need match winners. Yeah. Um, but the skills are poor. Um, and I'm, I do have questions about the coach from a tactical perspective. A little bit like, you know, a little bit like Essendon's coach. Um, yeah. Very dependable, solid people you know, who you'd want running a club, um, and you'd want running you, you know, managing people, but um, tactically maybe just a little bit off off the pace. And uh, Jakey Carlisle has how you how you <laughs> handling the uh, the wonderful trade that was Jakey Carlisle. Look, Carlisle's defence. He did finish fourth in the Western Fairs last year. So he, at St <laughs> that's great. That's so mean. They so, won 11 games last year. Anyway. They, um, they, they actually looked exciting last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were okay last year at times. Um, Carlisle on field is going okay. I actually think you, know, you couldn't be overly critical of his on field performance from a purely playing perspective. It's it's the temperament. It's the things. It's, it's the temperament. It's the, you know, the, the, the sledging of Mark Murphy's life, which was pretty poor. Um, in fact, you know, that, that's been mild. You know, it, it was, it was, ter- was terrible behaviour. Um, it, it was, you know, just that, that little thing last week with, with, when he sort of seemed to crack the sads on field. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you go away that you're liking that tweet about Mark Murphy, uh, related to Mark Murphy last year, just, just a cheek. And obviously, you go way back to, to the, just when he'd been, just been uh, recruited and, and that and that Las Vegas um, video. So, he... Uh, yeah, look, Jake just has a has a record of, of not of not behaving particularly well, um, and he's got a long way to, to rebuild that. Mm-hmm. His uh, his reputation as a person, as a footballer, I think he's going pretty no, well. Talent, but, uh, he's always had talent. There's yeah, no doubt about that. Huge talent. He's got huge yeah. hands. Yeah, no, now, he, he certainly does. 
What one last one last question? I'm a I'm a bit of a cricket nut myself, and I understand that you uh, you like the cricket yourself. Um, just a, a quick question: we, We've lost Davy Warner and Steve Smith, and there's no guarantee that. I mean, Smitty probably will, but there's no guarantee that Davy Warner plays Test cricket again, and all this. I'm I'm a I'm an old batsman from way back. Where where do you think Australia is going to get the next Dave Warner? Is there is there a Dave Warner? I don't mean. Slapping sixes left and right, but I mean uh, a new world class batsman. Where is that going to come from in Australia? Oh, well, it's a great question. I mean, just suddenly to have these two, you know, two or two and a half, I suppose you could say, because Bancroft sort of yeah. half spot in the team. He was just, he was just holding on to his spot, but um, you know, two gun batsmen out of the side so so rapidly uh, it leaves an enormous hole. And you know, the stats were sort of being um, they need a route in the immediate aftermath just of just the, the amount of runs and centuries the, uh, the proportion that I those two made people understand the fact that Steve Smith won't be batting in that side like it's, it's yeah it's, it's pretty big it's a pretty big hole uh, what, in terms of the opener well look I, I'm sure they'll continue to persist with Renshaw I, I really like Renshaw as a player I think he's actually he's expanded his game is actually a bit more expansive than people give him credit for he's solid I mean he just was such a bad run of form at the start of the Shield season that he couldn't have in good conscience picked him but um, I think he's I still think he's a long term test cricket for Australia uh, elsewhere in terms of opening options uh, Marcus Harris is actually a, is a bit like Warner in the sense he's a bit of a dasher okay. um, and, and has played some um, you know he had a very good Sheffield Shield season for Victoria yep um, Jake Weatherall I thought had a pretty good summer across various okay, formats yeah. in South Australia and uh, another one that sort of flies a bit under the radar is a guy in Queensland named uh, Marnus Labuschagne, who's also um, South African-born guy, who's, al- who's also made a lot of runs in both uh, red ball and white ball cricket. So, I mean, t- you know, he's going to be the next. And he's eligible to play. He's like yeah, a- yeah, eligible to play. Yeah, he's a, a, a naturalised Australian. So, um, I mean, he's one I think was on the Australia A tour that was cancelled to South Africa. So they do have an, an Australia A tour coming up mid-year ahead of the. The right tour later in the year, so there'll be a few of these guys that will get their chance. And I suppose that's the silver lining is that you might see a few few fresh faces. And you know there are from from these uh, very dark times in cricket, you, you will get uh, get chances. And I suppose in white ball cricket, well, we've seen um, you know we've seen Darcy Short fire, uh, and, and we've seen some of these other um, guys who play in the Big Bash. You know, whether I mean whether old's an option in that format as well. And in terms of if you're looking really down the track, and then this is not you know. This is a guy who hasn't even made his Shield debut, so uh, um, I'd you know, urge caution and, and, and not, not sort of say that this guy's going to be in a couple of years the best athlete in the world, but one to, one to keep an eye on is Mackenzie Harvey, who's um, Ian Harvey, the former Victorian all-rounder, uh, okay. played, wow. uh, was drafted into the Melbourne Renegades squad uh, during, the tour, during the Big Bash as an injury replacement, I don't think, or was it? I mean, international replacement. He didn't play a game, but made a very fine fifty, playing for CA eleven in a all the time. This is eleven a tour match, so um, he, he's probably one to watch when you're talking about um, future players uh, and, going um, forward. Quick one: Are you happy that Bruce McAvaney might be the new Richie Benno? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it'd be great. Shot. In all seriousness, I mean, it would be um, <laughs> special shot. That Bruce is such a. Bruce is such a transcendent and gen- you know, a generational Bruce. broadcaster, and such a well, such a, such a dear, decent man, um, yeah. and such a. I mean, did you see that footage of him watching Winks? We were watching there? Winks. Yeah, that was magnificent. Um, it showed you a little so, bit about him, didn't it? Yeah, he's just sort of got this childlike um, love for sport, and yeah. and there's a real there's a real kindness to him as a person, um, by, by all accounts. So. 
Uh, I think it'd be great. I mean, I, I, I know he, he's, a, he's, he's a big cricket follower. He just was never had the chance to really cover it just by, by the nature of the rights. But um, it could be a late career string to his bow, and um, it'd be good to see. Well, right about now, a lot of our um, our podcast listeners are searching through the Essendon VFL side for uh, M Renshaw and um, <laughs> and those guys. So I guess we better we better drag it back to uh, to AFL. We well, got um, M Redman. He's close enough, isn't he? M Redman. Yeah, that'll be close enough. They'll be going. Did they say Renshaw or Redman? <laughs> yes. Well, thanks, Daniel. Look, I really, really appreciate you coming online. I know it was a little bit last minute, so I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate I it. I just saw your article today and went, hey, I should, we should get Daniel on. And, and straight away, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So we, we so much appreciate that. And um, no, no, no worries, guys. It's uh, good fun and uh, happy, happy to come back on uh, a later time. Good luck, good luck with it all and um, I hope, hope it continues to grow, grow from strength to strength. Great. Uh, we really appreciate pleasure. it. Um, we'll, we'll do a Daniel Cherry. We'll do a coffee soon. Yes, we'll do a nice work. Daniel Cherry, <laughs> no, um, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Good on you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, thank Dan. Bye-bye. A big thank you to Daniel Cherney from The Age for joining us on the Lunchtime Catch-Up podcast. Yes, Daniel's actually a really nice guy. So um, if you see an article, click on it. And um, I, I think he's a person that I like to support because he pretty much writes just factual pieces and yeah. not really an overly opinion piece kind of writer, but he, he, he works out what the actual factual details are and, and then writes. So um, appreciate his support of the show and yeah, I'm sure I'll catch up with him soon as well. Absolutely. Now then, um, a bit more detail on the review of the game. We promised that earlier in the podcast. So Scotty, I mean... We could go through sort of player by player, back, mids, and forwards. But what what are some of the real key points that you I don't know that you noticed during the game? It's got to do with with individual players, great. But what are the what are the yep. key things you noticed, and, and and what are the things that um uh, that you'd like to share? The things that I noticed, uh, key parts to me. One, so if you look at the forward line, uh, the tackles this week was fifteen to four in our favour. So we almost three times had more tackles in our forward line to keep the ball in than the previous weeks. So that's an obvious obvious part of our game. We had to change and we did it really well. I thought mm-hmm. Green, Waller and all those guys put on tremendous pressure. Um, pressure so, was huge for me. Yeah, and, and even Jakey Stringer was, was quite good. Yeah. He did a lot of heavy work. Uh, so that's a big key. We spoke about it. We're talking to Daniel. I thought Myers was a really big key in the middle. Yep. I think he, he nullified the influence of Wines, but had the ball himself a lot. Again, got a lot of clearances. Kicked two goals, which was even better. So a really good return to form for Mizey. Down back, we just looked really sound. I thought Hartley played yeah. one of his best games at the club. I reckon Hartley stands real a lot taller when he's got McGrath yeah. down there. He's when he got has Hooker that support, down there. yeah. yeah. But it just showed showed me that uh, he definitely is an AFL player. Uh, I think there'll be sometimes still where they might need to go small sometimes because I yeah. still regard him as the, like th- next week. the third tall. So yeah. he's still got that awkward moment where, for I guess for matchup sake, he he's might be on the outer. But and I think Hearts is like you've said this a couple of times. Hearts Hearts real. Um... The engine room of that man is punching the ball. Yes. When the ball comes in and he's within QE of his forward and he doesn't have to run real fast, he's perfect. He's yeah. he's a great punch defender. And that's yeah. what he did all game against Port. Exactly. 
And it does help when um, McGrath's down there. He has a, a real gift at shutting down the I... opposition dangerous forwards. And when he gets the ball, he makes good decisions. Yeah. He's got a he's got a wicked sidestep too, by the oh, way. Hugely. That play where he just did a really killer sidestep, bounced the ball, gave, handed off, got it back, then hit a thirty meter ch- sort of pass on the chest. And the, 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 just that, it, and we end up kicking goal out of that. It's just you. You're just how many, how many out years has Begley like been at the club? Begley? Like, yeah, like six, eight, eight, maybe. Who? Not Begley. B- Grant. Bagley. Bagley? Yes. He must have been. This must be about his eighth. Yeah, eighth year, year or something like that. Yeah. Every time I see Andy McGrath down back, it's like having another eight-year back pocket player. Yeah. You, when the ball gets down there, you trust Be- uh, Bagley to make good decisions because he's got experience, because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But I love Andy McGrath down back, seriously. Yeah. Like I know they want to make him a mid because he's got the talent to do it. But man, he he looks so good down back. And let's be honest, the that role from half back is as big as a midfielder. <clears throat> like if you go through every team, Johannesson on all those guys, that those guys are you know winning Norm Smith medals. They're they're big players for clubs. So I don't. I even tweeted today. I don't see that as a, a demotion or anything like that. Gavin Wanganee won oh, a Brownlow exactly from right. that position, absolutely, and was instrumental in a grand final. So that position is really pivotal. You need a star. McGrath is it? No, oh, I, I agree. <laughs> but that back six altogether was really sound. I thought Bagley was really strong. His experience showed in in several key moments. Real physical player. Yeah, I mean, probably that kind of coach's dream kind of player yep. so Saab was 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 strong uh, he's probably still got to get a little bit more of the ball but I, I think he oh, he's just learning that that's he's the thing, just learning. That's his yep. fourth game of the club third yeah I think he's still still coming to terms with a new club but once that comes through he has these little runs where you go oh how good is that oh, look? Yeah. Start, I think you and know by the way let's all agree on this that goal should have been a goal that he kicked. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm sorry, Mr. Umpire. If you bounce the ball, if your action of bouncing the ball is before the guy tackles, that's not a free kick. Uh, yeah. It's... If he tackles you when the ball's coming up, that's not a free kick. No, it's not. The, that's just a the mistake. Ball, the, the bounce was already, action was already underway. So, I, I hate things like that, but yeah. No, it, no, no, no. It's a human error. But yes, let's let's move on for that. Look, key things I liked that we did differently. So at the start of the game, Dyson Hebel sets up on the wing. So what he does, he starts on the wing, he moves in for the bounce if there's a clearance, but if not, he actually goes back a bit and then starts roaming across the half-back line. And Dyson Heppel, in his first year or so, started as a, as a half-back, and he was so good. And that's why he won the Rising Star and everything like that, yep. because he reads the play so well. So he he must have had about six or seven intercept marks cross half back. So that was a really smart move by Wusha. And then you got Goddard on the other side of the field and doing Goddard, exactly the same thing. I think Goddard's been brilliant this year. Like I actually had him in my votes personally. I agree. He might not be the flashiest guy, but he has twenty eight possessions, kicks a goal, just the experience. Mm-hmm. And I will say one thing about Goddard: he sometimes gets flack because. When you're talking about a turnover, a clanger, usually Goddard has the most severe one. Now, the reason he but does why? that, yes, why? the reason he does have that 
is because he obeys the coach's instruction and kicks the ball to attack. That's it. So he kicks the ball through the middle. He Every time, he looks at the most uh, attacking way he yep. can use the ball to set us up for a goal. 9.9 out of 10, he usually does it. That's it. But when it doesn't come off, it's obviously a big, big and clanger. It's a fine line. But his mindset is far more superior than most other players in our line. team. Yep. Than kicking the ball 30 metres sideways yep. each way. So I love that he, that part of his leadership, that he's getting that in, over to the players. Attack. You know, what's the best use of the ball you can you can give to get us into an effective position that helps our forwards down the field. Because yeah. when he uses the ball, like there's sometimes at half back, he has 45 minute passes that opens up the whole game. Yep, agree. And we must have kicked one at least one or two goals from that, that kind of delivery. So I'm really appreciating Goddard this year. I I thought he was brilliant. Look, Stringer, we've talked about fantastic return to form. I very surprised. I, I like the idea that he played 10-15% still as a mid. So yep. he, he just chopped out Myers a few times just to give him a few breather. Yeah. I don't mind it because it gives him this small little education yep. still. Um, but he well and truly is not fit enough to play no. that a lengthy midfield role. And that's fine. That's, you know, he's, he's coming back from a bit of turmoil. So... Um, but as a forward, oh my goodness, he's dangerous. And if, if you can see, if you're an opposition coach, right, and you're looking at Essendon's name side for the game on the weekend, and you see Stringer in the midfield, you go, ooh, you've got to watch out, he's a big body, and he could yeah. get a bit of the ball in there, that's great. But if you're an opposition coach, and you see Jake Stringer at, at, in a forward pocket, yeah, or in a half forward flank, yeah. you are packing yourself. Because... Yeah. Three, four goals, inspirational, lifts the crowd, lifts the team. Yeah. That's what Jakey Stringer can and I think should be doing. I think, yeah. I, I agree with what you said. I mean, as a chop out, as a big body mid and around packs in the forward line, he can he can push people out and that's I, great. I like it. But he's so dangerous down there. Yeah. So dangerous. And people like Waller and, and Arazio don't have to do it all. It's just an extra option for us. So, yeah, for a Jakey, big guy, he actually recovers really well when the ball hits yeah. the ground. Yeah. He's got exceptional, um, what's the word? Just recovery. Uh, the ball is the ground, and he's the first person to grab the ball again. Yep. And he must have. It takes it like three guys to tackle Jake Stringer. He's so physical. Yeah. And and you, when you have three guys on you, that means suddenly we have one or two guys available, and off the goes the handball. Yeah. So I really liked in small cameos. I thought Josh Bagley put a lot of pressure on the first half. Yep. He's got to quickly stop those 30 40 minutes of not not being in the game um yeah. that's his next evolution yeah so and and Waller's a little bit the same as well and i don't know if it's a product of playing forward i think playing that forward role sometimes does you a disservice because the the delivery's not always in so your form is almost patchy in the game yeah when it's coming down you're in the game you're active you're tackling um if it's not then um, you can go missing for a while. And I think Begley just has that at the moment. Um, probably just not as mature as the other guys. I still like to keep him in there because I want him to learn that. Yeah. But there's also an argument to say, do we take him in the VFL and put him on the put him on the ball? You know, I'm... To just get him back into getting the ball 30 times. Yeah, I suppose. So it, there's a little bit of give and take because you have kids in the VFL, um, like say for instance, Clark. We've played two rounds. Clark's had a total of 65 possessions and 35 tackles. Yeah. And so, you, to you, 
you have a look at that and go, do you reward that's that? a mountain of work yeah. by a kid in these first two games in the VFL. He's obviously stepped up big time. Yep. Clearance machine. Yeah. Um, I acknowledge, though, that his kicking always needs work. Yep. So I, th- I wonder if that's where the club is a little bit hesitant because I still noticed, even in the Frankston game, a few turnovers, and I, I just wonder if they're concerned on the big stage... If, if that can cause yeah, it. True. But then there's a give and take. He he, he more he handballs a lot more than kicks. So it's a little bit of like, you know, Damon Preble was, was you know. Yeah, he wasn't exactly a, yeah, it wasn't a great gun, kick. kick yeah. He was a grunter. He got the ball yeah. out to people. I, I would like with Begley, I'd like to see him. I remember it was a game, I think one of his first games, even if his first game for Essendon, they isolated him in the forward pocket against Geelong. Yeah. Like they had him as a as a not a marking lead up forward, but just an isolation big unit kind of take a mark in a forward pocket. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see Begley isolated in a forward pocket against his opponent and say you're yep. strong. Let's see if he can get round Begs. I'd like to see that because he was good when he hit the ground as well. Yeah, that I'd, little Timmy Watson jump over the pack and that's it. And the, I short think pass was great. Begs has got a bit of skills that we're not entirely using now. The, the other one I wanted to mention was the quiet achiever, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Just quietly he's taking pretty marks solid this year, isn't kicking he? goals. Yeah. and I think he's going to kick 45. He, yeah. he could even stretch 50 goals, but... His stand-up marks, he's like going to take. Yeah, marks. I think he's going to kick the hooker-type goals yeah. this year than what Hooker did last year. Yeah. Um, really good mark. Um, I think he's quite mature. Like, that, that play where his opponent fell and Green was running past, and, and Green, as he always does, yeah, calls for the ball, which he probably might, shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I liked that he had the presence of mind to go, no, I'm a very, very good kick. I yeah. can kick this from 30 straight out. Yeah. I'll go back and, and just and just drill it. Yep. So there, there's something about Stuart I really, really like. Um, he's no nonsense, that boy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quiet. He's no nonsense. He's... I reckon GWS, uh, mind you, they've every draft pick in the world, but I reckon they'd be looking at that going, geez, tall, mobile, fit, looking like a bloody Great pentathlete kind was, of athlete. We had to use a draft find. pick to get him. I was like, draft pick 78. 78, man. I mean, Come that's, on. He's, he's a lot, yeah. I mean, what he's a number, he's a top three draft pick the way he's playing at the moment. So, yeah. um, I mean, you've, you've got what? Schlacky yeah, you feel that, like there's a lot of improvement. To the oh, man. Like, you, you, Schlacky his from, mobility when he hits the ground, that play where it went over the top and he turned around, yeah. gathered the ball in one It's quicker than one you think at all. scoop, yeah. ran away from his opponent, centered the ball to Joe, and Joe kicks the goal. I mean, that's just really, I mean, that's a coach's dream. Yeah. So, for a tall forward. So. Look, Joey Denahar, interesting. Uh, Look, I think we have to be honest sometimes, and as long as much as we bag Joe, we have to acknowledge that there's two guys on him the whole time. Yeah. Like, it, have a look at the game. Like, if I was, we were, we were obviously sitting on like the 50 meter line, yeah. and I was watching him close. He just had West off, and I forget the other defender, but just left and right of him. Yeah. So you have to acknowledge that is the case. Like we, and it's allowing Stewart to kick yeah. some goals. It's allowing Stewart yeah. to kick some goals. And we're not we're not putting it lace out for Joey still. Yeah, our midfield is still not utilizing Joey to the best of his yeah. ability. Right, but I thought his effort was fantastic. He actually did a lot of little things, little taps, and little, and just little things to get into the game. He's just a little bit like Hurley. Just the foot skills are just. Hasn't, yeah. Hasn't Michael just, Hurley's foot skills like, hasn't come on. Like, uh, Hurley, I saw him Hurley's an interesting one pass. to me because 
He's playing so well, but I don't know what's wrong with his right his foot. foot at the I mean, it's like, I feel like saying, check out your sneakers. Uh, sorry, yeah. check out your shoes. Just just check something out because yeah. it's just not coming off the boot like a Michael Hurley, I expect. Yeah. And that's obviously a very minor knock because he was in our top <laughs> yeah. three. So yeah. please understand that. But I think we all understand what we're talking about. It's just like you're used to Michael Hurley being such a damaging player by foot and just... For some reason, sometimes he just kicks ten meters to the left or ten meters. To the left. It's just, it's just a few little oddities know, that he's but then, got. Like, but I've seen him from inside fifty dominant. out to the um, the non scoreboard wing, drill forty five meters. The ball never went more than five meters off the deck. Yeah, it just drilled a forty five meter pass to a guy running out to half forward, and you mm. go, "Hello, there it is. There's yeah. Michael's right foot." But um, yeah, Michael's weird. He's, he's at the moment. Dominant down back, and yeah. he'd love Hooksy down there as and well. And look, I will say this with Daniel Cherney, great friend, but Daniel, you're completely wrong on Devin Smith. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should that have guy... seen Scotty's eyebrows go up when you said that. <laughs> I know, I didn't know what to say when he said. I don't know if Devin, <laughs> Devin Smith, Smith I'm not quite sure. He is a midfielder. Every day of the week. Every day of the week. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. on behalf of the podcast, yes. sorry, Daniel. Daniel, uh, please t- please continue to say you'll come back on. But, mate, Devin Smith, come on. He's played fantastic. I yeah. thought, I mean, he's continually getting 20 possessions. Another 11 tackles. Like, oh, come on. Like, And my argument on, on Jakey saying, listen, he should get A, get fit, and B, play in the position that he was born to play in. You could probably mount that argument and say, oh, well, Devin Smith's in the midfield and he's worked. Yeah, because in his first three games, he's had 20-some-odd touches each time, 13 tackles, and he's shown you quickly that he could be a midfielder. Yeah. I don't want to put Devin Smith up on the forward line and teach him there no. until he becomes... Because they, tr- they had the gamble with him, and it's clearly play, uh, paying off. I think he's been fantastic. Oh, uh, Devin Smith. It took me a little bit by surprise. Um, but look, our whole midfield was obviously a, a huge improvement. We talked last week. Remember we talked last week, and I was saying Heppel 21, Parrish 14, 14 yeah, Myers yeah. 16. Yep. And that was like consistent. I was like, and we we're talking about the Bulldogs having 30 possessions, 29 possessions. Um, so the fact that we turned that around and our midfielders had those kind of numbers ourselves. 29 from Zach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Zach Merritt, obviously, so good to see him fight through a tag. Um, so that was a really important development for him. Hugely. And he'll get a lot of confidence from that. And, and that, that's why... That's, that improves our side out of sight. And yeah. Zach Merritt is such a pivotal player. Every time he touched the ball... He's a little he aggro, man. Damage. I love him. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. It's... it's the lack of effort, which made no sense. I mean, like last week's podcast, we were confused. I, I was mm. confused. I didn't know what the hell was going on. When you look at Dyson and you look at Zach and you look at um, uh, Darcy and Myers and all of the guys that ran through the mids, you go, I don't get it. All of you are capable of doing what you did on the weekend. And yeah. just that anomaly performance where nobody performed well at all. All of them were yeah. just awful. So... Um, this week, you, you really saw the damaging person that Dyson Heppel. And I, I swear, on, on social media, if, if I see one more time, seriously, that Dyson Heppel needs to shave his beard because he's not putting in effort and that sort of stuff. Come on. Have a look at Dyson Heppel. The man's throwing himself into everywhere. Oh, his work rate. His work rate's huge. I mean, was that, last week? That but... was a captain's work rate. 
big go. Let's That's face it. leading from the front. Yeah. Like that guy, he put in effort in the back line. He put in effort in the centre. He was all over the shot. And it was interesting, Goddard... Was For just, four quarters. Goddard was on um, radio today. He, he's had a quick line and it felt like there was more to it. And he just said, you know, oh, Heppel's just gone through a bit of adversity this week. Uh, just about how the form and, and carrying the team as a captain. I'd have hurt him. I reckon it would have hurt him. And... And I'm sort of, yeah, in a weird way, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, and he played like that. He, like, he almost just willed the side to play well. And the thing is, when it comes from the captain like that, when he, when you see that kind of constant effort, constant effort, it, it helps Darcy Parrish and it helps Myers yeah. and it helps those guys get to another level because no doubt, like you told me, there, there was a few meetings at Essendon, players yeah. only. Um, meetings on on that kind of performance because when you put aside fourteen possessions here and thirteen possessions there, it's not AFL standard. Yeah, it wasn't acceptable. It's not professional, and it wasn't AFL standard. So I I love the fact that the boys got together and just said that's that's crap because if we were playing I don't know Carlton or North Melbourne or something like that, you'd go well yeah they're not the world's greatest mi- uh, midfield so we probably would did okay but we were playing a half decent midfield. In port, and we, oh, yeah. we Travis um, spoke Rockliffe, yeah, you know, all of those guys. Those I mean, guys, we yeah. were we were playing a half Lines, decent, yeah, 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 midfield. So it's for us to come out and play so well. I thought was great. Yeah, exactly. Now, not to be a killjoy, we said this last week, and we have to say it because we just have to. That's one week. I hundred percent agree with you, dude. That's now, one. the whole thing is. Consistency. Let's be a professional, ruthless club. That's it. And do the exact same approach on Anzac Day. We play Melbourne after that. They're going to want our blood because Melbourne and Essendon are probably fighting for the similar position on the ladder. Yep. Let's do the same thing again. We have a very hard stretch coming up. I think we play, if you take on from Anzac Day, we play ten game, sorry, three games in ten, ten days. days. Yeah. And that's a really big, uh, or just a tall order. Now, Melbourne play three games in 11 days, so it's not, not too similar, too dissimilar, sorry. So, but let's have that approach again. That's what Essendon fans want to see. In some ways, a lot of Essendon fans, if they were being honest, underneath they thought, I bet you Essendon came out a little bit smoking this week. They've got the pressure. With Port, we play a lot better. Yeah. We did that. Great. Resilience, great. Now I want to see the professional side of a football club to say, we are a good club. We are a top six club. We have the players on the park to do it. We're going to approach this game with the same ruthlessness as, as the previous week because that's how we're going to do it. It's played above the shoulders. Let's get to that next level where above the shoulders, we are prepared and planned every week and we will lose some games, no doubt. Yep. But we will win a heck of a lot more than we lose. And that's that's the thing. I don't want it to be Anzac Day so you step up because it's a marquee game. I want it to be because I want us to play against Melbourne. And that's not a marquee game or anything. Mm. I just want us to be as ruthless in the Melbourne game yeah. as I hope we are going to be at Anzac Day. But, sure, we want yeah. to win it. and But we've got to, like you said, we've got to have that consistently ruthless come out and it's gonna I mean having said that we're sitting on a on a pair of chairs not playing football every week and no and, no and I understand them. that but that this is their whole livelihood. That's what I'm saying. It's their livelhood like, they're trained to do it. We've got to work. come out. And mate, I'm I'm back on the bandwagon. I mean yeah. I, I was never off the bandwagon, come on. But I mean I just 
look, the the coaching staff has clearly had a chat to each other um, during the week, yep. and they made some changes. Bless Wush, well done, mate, and fantastic, you've, you've made fantastic. Some changes. No, you've you've had full a look at the situation, full credit, and you've made some decisions, and they paid off. That's great. But now the players have to get together on this one and say two in a row. We've got a nine-day break. There's That's no it. excuse. Two in a row, leading into Melbourne. If we can get that, mate, yeah. we're three in a row. Look out. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that we need. That's the professionalism that Hawthorne's shown and those guys yeah. where they come out and they win three and four in a row. When you play Sydney, you know you're in for a hell of a fight. You've already mentally half-drained because of what Sydney's going to give you yep. every week. Yep. That's what you want opposition clubs to think of Essendon. Yep. You're going to go, that ruthlessness oh, comes from the players. Waller's going to chase me down. Everyone's going to, you know, yep. Fantasia's going to run me down. This is going to be exhausting. This is what you want the reputation of a club to be. Absolutely. That's what That's what really got a 93, especially a 2000. You had the Hardwicks and Solomons. They were, you know, they put you to the ground and then rub your head into the exactly dirt. Right. Yeah. And I want a bit of rough. Like, I want a bit of where the Essendon Football Club, damn it. Like, you're, when you, you're not going to beat us. No. We've we're going to do everything in our can. We're yeah. going to physically beat you up. Yep. Within the rules. And, and, yeah, within the rules. <laughs> and, and don't bite anybody. Um, but no, we've got the players. If those players really are ruthless... We, we're a top three side. Yeah. But if the players go into the game each week just thinking, well, we've got the players, we've just picked up a big three players and we, we can... I don't think they'll ever go in saying we can just go along with the motions. But I just sometimes... They just think that they're just going to win, that the game plan will work and they'll just win. The, the, the game plan worked out really well against Port, but the effort... The, just yeah. the huge gut Like we said, 15 tackles in our forward line. That's it. It's Four got, quarters that's, yeah. stuff. It's and that... Just that mindset. And that's it. The mindset. That's actually a really good point. So on that point, we probably uh, probably need to wrap it up considering yep. we've been here for three and a half hours. No, just kidding. Um, the Anzac Day this coming weekend um, against the Pies. It's always a huge game. Um, everybody get out there and yep. support the boys as best you can on Anzac Day. And support the Anzacs too. And support the Anzacs. Absolutely. Have a think about it on the day. Um, it's a great, great day for the nation. I still personally me. Uh, not to put down Australia Day because I'm still proud that day, obviously. Of course, but, yeah. but it, it has there's something about this that I feel the most connected to Australia. Yep, on this day than any other day. And and I haven't been to a yeah. grand final in a, a lot of years. We went to that grand final together, but um, every time I go to an Anzac Day, I I reckon we're experiencing grand final like um, yep. atmosphere at the G. If you if you've never been, get down there, make it ninety five thousand, make it a hundred thousand people, and watch the bombers get pretty stuck much a into Collingwood. It's pretty much a sellout. It's going to be an incredible game. Two we'll teams there. coming off some winners. We will be there. Um, we will be there. Uh, we'll be doing another review after the after the Anzac Day game as well. Yeah. Um, a big thank you to Daniel Cherney for coming on the on the podcast again. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. Yep, and I'm going to leave you with a piece of music that is dear to my heart. Dear to and, your heart. And people who understand me will know what I'm talking about. Oh, bye, everyone. Bye. Yeah, okay, what is this, Scott? I'll tell you what it is. It's time for everyone to clap your hands for the greatest Australian sportsman that's ever lived. Aussie, 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 clap your hands, everybody. Pretty Simmons.